Welcome to Travel Tips Tuesday with John Rogers. On today's show, you'll learn up-to-date, creative, and personal tips that will help you make your travel dreams a reality. Enjoy today's episode. Here's John. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Travel Tips Tuesday. So glad to be with you all again this week. I really do appreciate it. When I say this, I really do mean it. I appreciate everyone that listens to the show live on Facebook every week and also that downloads the show, all two of you, no, I'm just kidding, uh, every every week on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever your preferred podcast player is out there. Just hear me when I say thank you. I do mean that. This is a lot of fun to do this. It makes it even more fun when we have folks interact, which we had one of our buddies of the podcast of the show, uh, Mr. Chris, who commented tonight. We interacted a little bit back and forth, so hopefully you'll look forward to hearing uh, a little bit of what he had to say in our interaction tonight as we get into talking about some Disney news, cruise news, a little bit of contest updates along the way. So a lot to talk about, a lot to get into. So I hope you enjoy this episode and let's get into it, shall we? Tonight, this is Travel Tips Tuesday and it is March the 23rd, 2021. And our topic of conversation tonight is cruise updates plus diving into the world of Pandora, the world of Avatar at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Our question of the day is what keeps you talking about your favorite travel destination? What keeps you talking about your favorite travel destination? So one of the things I love to, to, to ask or talk about and kind of put out there is to get people to kind of think about why they like to travel, get people to, to, to think about the fun memories, the not-so-fun memories, the funny things that happen, the unexpected things that happen, those you know conversations kind of in between on the way to, to something when you're traveling, right? Whether it's in like the van or the car and you're driving down the road to grandma's house or going to you know, a theme park like Disney or something, or whether you're on a plane and, and you strike up an interesting conversation with a complete stranger, right? We've all had those completely random, unplanned moments. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're just kind of like, eh, whatever. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, get me out of here, right? So uh, I want you to think, though, uh, just for a moment, what keeps you talking about your favorite travel destinations? Uh, when I posted this earlier, I got a variety of different responses. And I would love to hear from some of you all uh, tonight. Hey, in the comments, thank you, Chris. Uh, I really appreciate you taking me literally on that. Um, Chris Perrin chiming in tonight. Good to see you again on tonight, Chris. So uh, what keeps you talking about your favorite travel destinations? Is it is it the food? Because food's always great, right? It kind of connects us in a way. Is it a ex- particular experience that you've had? You know, you've had, if so, what was that? Is it a particular memory you have from something that, that happened? Uh, is it the way you were treated? Is it is it a negative thing? So some people talk about those things like, you remember what happened when? Yeah, we ain't ever going back there, right? You know, whatever the case is. So you get that one thing that happens, and then it just keeps you away from going back to that, you know, particular place. Um, so... You know, there are a lot of different things that sort of connect us, connects us with the, with the places that we go, with the things that we visit, with the experiences that we look to have, you know, whether it's a solo trip or, you know, it could be, uh, you know, a group trip or, um, you know, like a, like an anniversary or honeymoon, you know, couples only kind of thing. So anyway, tell me what keeps you talking about your favorite travel destination destinations. I would love to hear from you. So starting off tonight, contest news. Don't forget about 40 by 40. You're going to hear me talk about this pretty much every single week uh, as we get into May uh, by the time I turn 40 years old. So 40 by 40, if you book a trip, basically any trip book for future travel starting January 1 of this year all the way until May the 21st, 
you will qualify for entry into a drawing for a $100 gift card. We were well into the 30s uh, for the number of trips we have booked, which is awesome. I am so excited about that and so incredibly flattered. And I don't say that to be, you know, like I don't say that to be like to, to, to lift myself up. Like I, I seriously am like, you know, I think it's so cool that, that you all allow me to partner with you and your playing experiences. And it's a blast doing it, right? We create a lot of, you create a lot of great memories. I'm able to talk to you about them and celebrate those moments with you. And uh, it's just a lot of fun, right? And I love taking the hassle away. So as you're creating those memories, you're not having to worry about the the details and the you know the what ifs along the way. So and the did I and did I you know? So try to minimize that as much as possible so you can just focus on the excitement of the experience. And it's just a lot of fun. So 40 by 40, um, book a trip, any trip at all, uh, for a chance to win a hundred dollar gift card. That drawing will be. Uh, on May the 22nd, live uh, on my 40th birthday. So that's fun. Any trip booked by March the 31st will actually automatically get you a $10 gift card uh, to basically a place of your choice. Some suggestions I have are Starbucks, Dunkin', you know, Chick-fil-A, places like that. Pretty much anywhere that I can send an e-gift card uh, to you that's that's available. So any trip booked by March the 31st automatically gets you a $10 gift card. And that is basically trips from March 16th to March 31st. So just to clarify, sort of a roughly a two-week window there. From So from March 16th to March 31st, we'll get you a uh, $10 gift card. That is a new trip for future travel. If you have questions about that, any of those contest things or whatever, this is not a Travelmation-sponsored thing. This is something that I personally am doing. And uh, just to kind of give back because, you know, I, I, I love the the partnerships that we have uh, in, in the folks that I kind of help experience their travel dreams and kind of making those things, you know, become a reality like the, like the tagline says, right? So Disney News, we have an opening date for Disneyland. Yay, we have an opening date for Disneyland. Disneyland Park and California Adventure. If I had like sound effects button machine, I would like press the clapping sound right now. Um, or the yay, you know. Disneyland Park and Disney California Adventure are set to reopen to welcome guests back to the delight of their dining experiences, shopping, and many of their attractions. Uh, that will also open uh, beginning April the 30th. Hotels of the Disneyland Resort will begin to reopen as of April the 29th, beginning with Disney's Grand Californian Hotel Resort and Spa. The DVC side of that resort will open a little bit later than that. I believe on May the 2nd, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, really excited about that. You know, things are opening up. The um, you know, the situation in our world is, is slowly improving. We're going to be getting some people back to work. And honestly, like for me, um, seeing people getting their jobs back and all the, you know, mom and pop shops and businesses that are built up around the theme park industry, you know, the, just not to mention the supply lines, but right. All the other things that kind of support that industry in town, whether it's, you know, independent hotel chains or restaurants or, you know, souvenir shops or, you know, conferences and events and all these different things. So, right, it's not just getting to go on Space Mountain. It's not just getting right Big Thunder Mountain Railroad or walk and walks footsteps inside Disneyland Park in Anaheim. There's so much more that goes to it than that. I am really excited to see the park reopening for a number of different reasons, but mainly because people are coming back to work. So if you have questions about that uh, and would like to plan a trip, please let me know. Just be aware that right now at first, uh, Disneyland Park will be limited to about 15% capacity. Uh, and that number is going to be based on the current 
kind of you know situation in California, what that is in that particular area uh, in and around the city of Anaheim. So uh, you know they're zoned different you know ways and have different thresholds and, and what that exact capacity will be when it opens on April uh, the thirtieth will kind of be determined. Um, by that. So, uh, and the specific instructions on kind of how tickets are going to be purchased and those kinds of things have yet to be released, but that information will be coming soon. It is rumored that the park will only be available or the resort area will only be available for uh, residents of California at first. So, Disney has revealed its first ever Walt Disney World themed license plate for residents of California. So this is so cool. And I'm like, you know, texting my wife today. I'm like, hey, can we move to California so I can get one of these license plates? Not really. I'm not going to move just to get a vanity license plate. But um, it has a theme. It's kind of that sort of bluish, purplish color um, with the um, Cinderella's Castle kind of uh, outline and that sort of iridescent sort of sort of color sort of a theme that's in th in sync with the 50th anniversary of, uh, of of Walt Disney World. If you've seen some of that signage out there, some of that promotional uh, material, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the really cool thing about this particular license plate is, so, you know, you can see, you see some with different, like, phrases and, you know, colleges and different things on them. 100% of all proceeds for this particular style of license plate. Keep in mind, this is the first time Walt Disney World has ever done this. 100% of all proceeds are going directly to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, a, an outstanding organization that does a lot of good in this world. You know, I've known some folks personally to have wishes granted, and it's just an amazing thing. And I love the, the vision. I love the uh, mission of that particular organization. And I think it's a great partnership that uh, Walt Disney World Resort and Make-A-Wish have uh, to kind of be able to make this happen. So whether you live in the Florida Panhandle or down south, you know, this is an opportunity that you have to support that and let people know that you love the Walt Disney World Resort. So taking a peek at some of the comments tonight, our, our friend Chris uh, continues to chime in. He says, someone was going to take you literally. <laughs> it's definitely the moments of connection that keep us talking, but the moments that are far outside of our normal experience. Absolutely. I love those moments of connection. Uh, he says, I don't want to hijack your show, so we can talk about this later, but you do, if you have any idea about the California Grill Sunday brunch and the dining plan will reopen. So, Chris, I look, I love these kind of comments. Like, seriously, if you ever have a question like this, drop it in there. Like, I love the live interaction. If I don't know, I'll either make something up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I will I will let you know. Like, I don't know. I don't know specifically when those two things will uh, will come back. Chris, I don't know for sure, but what I will tell you and everybody else out there that's listening live and also in recorded podcast land is that uh, those things are coming back. We just don't know when, uh, even if you go, you know, to kind of like in the travel agency portal that we use to uh, create kind of the Disney vacations uh, you know, packages as an agent, the, there's still a little button there or line for dining plans. If Disney was going to completely cancel it and remove it entirely, not even do anything even remotely similar to a dining plan, it would not be in the system. It would, it would not be there, right? It's one less like logistical thing for, for their IT team to, to worry about. So it's the option is still there. It just basically says they're not available at this time. And there have been a lot of rumors circulating, you know, that we will see those things uh, return. I will give you my best speculation. This is not fact. I will always tell you if I'm speculating. So as you know, um, there are, things as, as things have reopened since last summer 
that there are cast members that are slowly being brought back to work. We're, we're beginning to see the inklings of more you know, live entertainment cast being brought back. There are new shows like Harmonious at Epcot that will be there that will require you know, more people to kind of manage that guest experience. So as more guests are bringing back, as more hotels begin to reopen, because we do have more hotels like All Star Movies uh, that just reopened uh, at, uh, at, at Walt Disney World, some more hotels open, that means Walt Disney World is going to have more capacity. Uh, over kind of the, the spring break season that we've been in so, so far, there have been reports that the hotels have been very close. If not at completely, the hotels have been very close at 100% capacity for many of them. Not all of them, many of them, especially the more popular ones. So those are kind of telltale signs that, okay, we're getting busier. The world is improving. So you can kind of put two and two together that, Yes, this is going to be coming soon as more restaurants reopen, as more guests come. Um, the Disney Dining Plan is is a great tool uh, for guests. I have a lot of people that are asking me about it. They're like, you know, let me know. People that have trips booked later on in 20, 2021 and even folks that are thinking about trips in 2022, let me know when it's coming. So it's definitely something that's, that's out there that I'm saying, you know, hang on. It's coming. You know, your favorite restaurant experiences, be it California Grill or somewhere else. Uh, you know, I think Victoria and Albert's uh, at, over at Grand Floridian is, is still closed as well. So, you know, there, there are some other places out there that, um, you know, Disney is bringing back. And I'm looking forward to kind of seeing those things come back. So uh, you said, is that 100% capacity or uh, of 100% or is it diminished number of rooms to promote social distancing? So the actual, um, the actual... I guess, uh, capacity for resort rooms because they have closed door. To my knowledge, uh, they're not actually limiting capacity at the resorts themselves. So they have actually shut completely shut down whole resorts to limit capacity. So uh, All-Star Music um, and is, is still closed. Uh, All-Star Sports is still closed. Both Port Orleans resorts, Riverside and French Quarter, are still closed. There are, for example, Disney's Beach Club is is you know has been open for a while, but the cash paying side, um, the regular Beach Club side of the resort is is still is still closed. It will be reopening soon. So um, the contemporary, the the main tower in the contemporary is actually going to go down for refurbishment. They're going to be re refurbing some of those rooms. Um, so it, Disney's taking the opportunity to do a lot with this time and the way they're kind of, you know, pushing capacity is, uh, you know, to manage that in the parks, of course, is with the park pass system. Um, but they're doing a lot with this downtime to kind of improve the guest experience. Like they've recently shown some uh, artwork detailing and some photos detailing some of the newly refurbished rooms at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort. Kind of in sort of a very subtle Moana theme. It's not like overly animated like, oh, you know, I don't, you know for people that aren't fans of animation, you're not going to feel overwhelmed when you go there. They're, it's actually really cool the way they sort of implement uh, little, little sort of nods to the characters and uh, in very subtle ways along the way. So uh, looking forward to that. So uh, again, love talking about this stuff. Please let me know uh, if you have any of these kinds of questions and I will try to get to them live. If I'm not able to get to them live, I will definitely answer them in the comments on the Facebook feed. And if you're listening by podcast land, uh, feel free to hop on Facebook, find my personal page, uh, which I always link in the show notes. And uh, also uh, feel free to email me as well at my travel nation email address. So I won't try to sell you a vacation unless you like ask about that. Uh, if you just have a you know random question about something, um, just let me know. Here to help. So cruise news. Let's talk about cruise news before we get into talking about Pandora tonight. 
Cruise News, Royal Caribbean Cruise Line and Celebrity Cruise Line are two of the cruise lines that have announced that some of their cruises will be returning to North American ports, though not in the U.S. specifically. So that's very important to note right now. Uh, so though CD the CDC has relaxed some cruising guidelines, um, there are no active cruise ports within the continental or even U.S. or even Hawaii or Alaska for that matter. So just uh, just be aware of that. So some of these reports that you're seeing out there, you know, the way, um, you know, cruise lines come up with their regulations, whatever, they don't have their own like legal body. They decide what they do and they're, you know, sovereign, blah, blah, blah. No, they actually coordinate with um, a bunch of different professional organizations within the cruising world that a lot of different cruise lines are a part of, uh, like the Cruise Line International Association, the one that Travelmation is associated with as an agency. Um, they also coordinate with local governments uh, of, of the actual cities where they dock, as well as the national governments uh, of of the different nations, you know, the ports that they visit, uh, as well as, you know, the, the, you know, departments of health and organizations like the World Health Organization and the CDC and others. So it, it's a multifaceted uh, approach. It's not just something that's done in one fell swoop. So for these particular sailings that we're talking about, and these are just, uh, you know, a couple of them that we're going to address because Royal Caribbean actually had some that they announced today, which was pretty cool that they were adding back. Uh, starting in June, the Adventure of the Seas, one of their ships will be offering seven night trips sailing out of Nassau, Bahamas. So it's being relocated there. Uh, will be flagged in the Bahamas, which is awesome. It includes, this particular cruise includes two stops at Perfect Day Coco Cay and more. So there, it's going to be visiting the Bahamas. I think there might be one stop in Mexico uh, as well. Also, Vision of the Seas, which is another one of their great ships, will offer seven-night trips sailing out of Bermuda. It also includes a stop at Perfect Day at Coco Cay as well. Uh, of course, some days at sea for both of those. Uh, Celebrity Cruise Line has also announced that they will be having ships sailing in the Caribbean this summer, uh, starting in June. And sailings for both cruise lines, Royal Caribbean and Celebrity, that are part of the same uh, kind of group. Sailings for both cruise lines will start in June, but will be limited uh, and will not be sailing out of U.S. ports. So if you do want to go on one of these you know, cruises, you will have to fly internationally to get to your port of embarkation. So just be aware of that. Um, you know, there, there have been questions like, will masks be required? Will negative COVID tests be required? All these things. What we do know at this point for Celebrity and for Royal Caribbean is their standards are pretty much the same for these specific cruises. If you have a cruise booked now for a future cruise, like I have some, several clients that have cruises booked with Royal Caribbean, among others, and even Disney Cruise Line. So, you know, what I'm saying doesn't necessarily apply to those. It may, but we don't know for sure yet. So I'm not speculating. I'm just telling you, matter of fact, for the Vision of the Seas cruises that I mentioned, just mentioned and the Adventure of the Seas cruises that I just mentioned and the Celebrity Cruise I just mentioned. Um, a negative COVID test will be required for all guests under 18, so all minors. Also, for those that are 18 over, a uh, COVID vaccine will be required. So, again, we're just talking about these specific cruises for now. So just be aware of that. Um, you know, regardless of what you're speculating, this is information I'm pulling directly from Royal Caribbean. I'm not reading, you know, third-hand blogs. I've been, I was in a Royal Caribbean training last week when this, some of this news dropped. <laughs> we had a lot of questions. So we were talking directly to the source and had a chance to, uh, to talk to some of them. So um, just be aware of that. Uh, you know, there's lots of different speculation, you know, pundits and whatnot that are out there. And I can send you some, you know, direct links to the source um, if you have further questions about 
uh, kind of cruising and, and whatnot, what that's going to look like. So, you know, this is kind of part of that transitional moment that we're having, you know, trying to get this industry back up and running. Uh, again, that's going to be, you know, getting people back to work. That's going to be supporting a lot of, you know, local businesses and, and, and local economies in some of these Caribbean countries, Bahamian countries, and, you know, in Ber Bermuda and, 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 and other places. So looking forward to that. Uh, if, if you're like, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really sure about those regulations and I don't know that I don't want to, cruise right now that's totally cool like i you know i completely respect that and i get that there's some places that you know i don't necessarily feel comfortable going now there's a lot of places that i feel very comfortable going now for instance there's a group of over 40 travel nation agents that is at the grand moon palace in cancun right now as i'm doing this uh live and i really wish i was there with them uh, they're having an incredible time they're on what's called a fam tip trip which is a fam familiarization trip it's a hard word to say uh, familiarization trip where they're basically just getting to know the destination, the activities, you know, the food, the opportunities that they have to serve their guests, the accommodations, all of it. They're going on resort tours. Uh, so basically they can have their, you know, feet on the ground. Uh, they're getting the firsthand experience um, to serve their guests, uh, their, their clients better. And I'm in direct contact with a lot of them and I'll be sharing some things about that particular resort. The Grand Mood Palace in Cancun is um, is, is an incredible family resort. There's a lot, like if, if I had to pick, you know, if I had to have my like top three of, uh, probably family all-inclusive resorts, um, in Mexico, at least the Grand Moon Palace would definitely, definitely be on there. So it's got water park. It's got some great, uh, swim up suites. If that's what you want, some wonderful, very spacious presidential suites to kind of host those large family groups. Uh, it's got some incredibly highly rated food. It's got an amazing water park, great water slides. Uh, I think it's got a, you know, a mini golf course, it's got a lot of different things to do. Of course, right there on the beach. Um, so I say all that to basically say that all-inclusive trips are a great alternative to cruising any day. Like, you know, regardless if it's, you know, five years from now, it's still going to be a great alternative because you're, it's, your cruises are basically a mobile all-inclusive because you've got your dining, you know, most of your dining, uh, depending on what, you know, ship and, and cruise line you're, you're sailing with. Uh, and, you know, a lot of your entertainment is included. A lot of your other activities are included. You know, not all inclusives are built the same. You can rewind a few, you know, episodes back and kind of look where we, look at where we talked about all inclusives a little bit more in detail and some of the different ones. Because not all, not all all-inclusive resorts are built the same. Many of them have different offerings. Some include transportation. Some don't. Some include taxes and gratuities. Some don't. Some include all of your food, regardless if you want to eat steak and lobster every night or if you just want like a hamburger and hot dog at night. Some don't include the premium options. Some do. So, and, and even like what things like water sports and, you know, kids clubs, kids activities and, you know, you know, kids, nannies and babysitting, stuff like that. Uh, so there's a lot of different inclusions. There are adult only options. There are family options. A lot of different, you know, options out there for folks looking for that cruise-like experience. So uh, there are not many all-inclusive resorts, true all-inclusive resorts that I would say uh, in the United States. There are some, uh, and there are some all-inclusive experiences in the U.S. Uh, but if you're thinking like, you know, beachside, family all-inclusive, like just sort of doing your thing like you see the commercials or whatever, there aren't a lot of those really in the U.S., uh, so if you have questions about that, let me know. We'd love to talk to you more uh, about them. So let's talk about Pandora, the world of Avatar, because I'm guessing that's probably why a lot of you came here, uh, came here tonight. So Pandora, the world of Avatar, there are a couple of different um, ways to get there. So last week we kind of started back 
our conversation, um, kind of taking our world tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. We covered Magic Kingdom, we covered, covered Epcot a little over a year ago, and now we're kind of back uh, doing a world tour. We were talking about Disney's Animal Kingdom. We came in through the front entrance last week. We went through uh, the sort of entryway, talked about some of the gift shops and different things around that area, even the memorial plaque that was dedicated, that was put there you know, after the park was dedicated in, on Earth Day 1998. And then we went through Discovery Island a little bit, talked about some of the shopping, the dining, the, the attractions that are there. And now we are hanging a left-hand turn in heaven, heading over to Pandora, the world of Avatar. There are a couple of different ways that you can actually get to Pandora. So say, for instance, you are um, all the way across the park and you're in the Africa section of the park. You're hanging out by where the Festival uh, of the Lion King was or a celebration of the Festival of the Lion King is kind of the new name it's going to be. You're like, man, I want to go to Pandora now, but I don't want to have to walk all the way to the front of the park. Well, good news. There's actually a uh, back, what they call back entrance uh, to Pandora that you can actually take from the Africa section of the park. Uh, that kind of takes you on. It's more of a quieter walk. It's actually really nice and relaxing. It takes you sort of from that uh, Africa section of the park and sort of underneath the bridge, and uh, you're right over there in the Pandora. So the other way, the main way that some people go, especially if they're rope dropping in the morning, is they want to get over and get to one of the best attractions on property that I'm going to talk about in just a minute. And they will kind of go straight over the bridge to Discovery Island, hang a left, and boom, you're walking right over there to uh, Pandora. So there's a lot of really cool things that uh, I like about this land. Uh, first of all is, is just sort of the overall environment and feel of it. You kind of feel like you're being transported uh, into a separate world in a way. Maybe not to the degree of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, right? We There's there's a bit more brand recognition. There's a bit more story recognition uh, with with Star Wars, with Batu and Galaxy's Edge over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Uh, you know, which we will cover that park after we finish up Animal Kingdom, um, probably later on in the spring or possibly early summer. But, um, you know, there's a lot of really cool things to experience uh, as you move into it. And one of the things I like to do sometimes is, is I'm as I'm moving through one, like, world or, or, or land, one section of the park into another, sometimes, very briefly, not very long, I'll close my eyes as I'm walking and uh, j just for a few moments, and I'll sort of listen, like, audibly, for the, for the transition of the music as you move from one place to another. It's because it's very subtle. It's almost like a very subtle crossfade that you get, you know, when you're listening to something on, uh, you know, TV or, or the radio or whatever. It's because it's, they don't, you know, they don't want you to notice it, right? You eventually will, right? Because your ears are going to be picking up your eyes, your nose, like all of it. So much of what we experience at Walt Disney World is built around the five senses, they they want there to be a transition between all of those. So you're going to smell different things. You're going to taste different things in Pandora than you would. You're going to hear different things. You're going to see different things. And normal days, you're going to touch different things too. So they kind of try to cover all of those things. And, and, and Pandora does an incredible job at that. I mean, it was such a such an innovative park, and it still is in many ways uh, when it was first built because it, it was one of the first places that – uh, was sort of pulled from fiction to give you that all immersive uh, feel, right? It's more than just walking into like Tomorrowland over at Magic Kingdom, though Tomorrowland at Magic Kingdom is an awesome place. I absolutely love it for a huge number of reasons. 
Um, but Pandora is just a different experience. It's like being tramp- transported to another planet. Just the, the architecture, you know, like I said, the sounds, the music, all of it, all of it. So let's, uh, let's start talking about the attractions first here in just a second. But before I dig into that, I have a note that I want to make sure that you know, if you've never been to Disney's Animal Kingdom and never been to Pandora, or if you have been to Pandora, the world of Avatar, and never been to it at night, make sure you see Pandora at night is a completely different experience of being there during the day. Um, you know, the, the nighttime creatures and sort of cicada-like creatures sort of start coming about. There's some different things that light up uh, that you don't see during the day. And, you know, pre, you know, 12 plus 13, 14 months ago, <laughs> uh, they actually did some drum shows, some really cool things that hopefully will be back, some sort of live night entertainment options uh, that were there in the middle of Pandora. It's just a really cool place. I mean, it almost has the atmosphere uh, of, of a party in a different way. And I love just kind of being there and walking around and seeing it and experiencing that environment at night. And I highly recommend that. So na- the Navi River Journey. So the Navi River Journey is uh, one of the is the first of two attractions I'm going to talk about uh, in Pandora: The World of Avatar, and the Navi River Journey is where you journey deep into the bioluminescent rainforest in search of the Navi Shaman of Songs. So if you love a good dark ride or a you know boat ride, these are not uh, bigger boats like you might see at Pirates of the Caribbean or it's a small world over at Magic Kingdom. They're actually much smaller, so it's it sort of transports you in a way. Um, to uh, to feeling that you're s- sort of more um, you know at touch. It's a more intimate, I guess, boat ride experience uh, in in some respects. If you've been on, you kind of know what I'm talking about. And I think this ride of all the different rides that have ever been on that use screen based technology, um, this one does it the best. You know, been to some at Universal or Disney World, right? I think this one does it the absolute best because it's very hard, very difficult to tell at times what is what is projecting what is not um so you know if you've hopefully you'll forget what i just said if you're going into it for the first time uh but even like me knowing that going into that ride in the first time um like i i had trouble telling sometimes and it's just such a cool experience it's 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 relaxing it's cool when you get in there it's it's refreshing it's refreshing you know animal kingdom can get kind of warm uh, during the day and, and especially in the summer so it's a great ride to go and relax and see and experience uh, part of Pandora and just sort of the, the beauty of it is so fun. And, you know, at the end, when you see the shaman, that animatronic is absolutely incredible. One of the most complicated ones that they've ever done. It's also one of the heaviest ones that they've ever done as well. And the detail on it, in it is astonishing. It's just so, 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 so good. Avatar Flight of Passage. Avatar Flight of Passage opened up when the when that section of the park opened up and for a very long time uh, that section of the park hasn't been open you know a long time but you know, for a good while now um, that ride has been that attraction has been a, a feature attraction for all of Walt Disney World you know now you have Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway Runaway Railway and uh, many of the attractions in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. I would say those Star Wars attractions, um, Smuggler's Run and Rise of the Resistance, have a lot of popularity to them, especially Rise of the Resistance. Flight of Passage is a is an absolutely amazing ride. Um, the, the pre-show, the building, I mean, everything, everything that you experience in that. The queue itself is amazing. Uh, the Fast Pass queue, even though they're not doing Fast Passes right now, it is being utilized for you know, guests with disabilities and other particular situations. 
Um, but the regular queue is worth seeing because it sort of takes you through different parts of Pandora. And you're able to see some of these labs where some of the, uh, you know, Avatar uh, Navi are, you know, sort of floating around these giant tanks and stuff. It's just like, how, you know, how is that possible? How does that happen? Like these thoughts that go through your mind, you're like, man, that detail is incredible. The music, again, all of it. And then you get loaded into your ride vehicle. It's just an amazing experience. Like that, that is one of the attractions that I always leave with a smile on my face. If I can get back and do it again, I will. And, you know, there are a few, you know, tips that different people have for getting that track, you know, getting in that on that ride, because that is one of the ones that has a consistent line um, at Disney's Animal Kingdom Park. You know, anywhere, you know, when it first opened up, I think there are, you know, wait times like six or seven hours long. It's not like that anymore. You know, you, you may see a 60, 90 minute wait. Uh, these days, but there are some ways to avoid that at Avatar Flight of Passage. One of them uh, is to consider rope dropping. So, you know, getting there as soon as possible, not, you know, parking your car, or getting off the bus or getting on a bus that matter, you know, say if the park opens at eight, but, you know, be on there, be over there as early as possible. Uber over there if you have to, you know, as soon as those uh, gates are dropped to let vehicles and, and buses and whatnot in, you know, get over there, get in line, get through security and through the touch points as soon as possible. So, uh, and then go over the, get there and get in line. So, you know, again, one of the things I'm telling folks about visiting parks these days is that, uh, and I apologize if I'm talking a little bit too quickly. I had too much coffee later on in the day when I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but um, one of the things I continue to tell people is that if you see a line and it's kind of long, you're like, yeah, I'm not, that line's massive. I'm not waiting in that. These lines are constantly moving. They're constantly moving, and they're also being repositioned to allow guests a, a very uh, easy experience of waiting in line and, you know, socially distant and whatnot. And it's it's not that bad. I mean, you get a chance to kind of like, you know, in, instead of just being locked in a small space with lots of people, you know, and, and people like breathing down your neck, you're, you're spaced down and you're, you know, continuously moving and, and typically those lines move along there's lots of friendly cast members and hopefully other friendly faces you can kind of chat with and get to know as you're waiting in line and for me flight of passage is one of those lines that is worth waiting an hour for hands down would do it every time i go if that you know waits an hour i'm like yep let's go you know <laughs> so if you're not able to get in there for uh, a lesser wait my the most um i guess common uh, travel tip that i would offer to you for getting on that attraction. And many of you that listen to this may already know this is, is to be there. I've already mentioned on to definitely visit Pandora at night, uh, but you know, I would say roughly 15 to 30 minutes before park closure, the vast majority of wait times uh, are inflated. Not all of them, but the vast majority of them are. So sometimes ride capacity is reduced a little bit. You know, if there, you know, there are certain roller coasters that run, you know, multiple trains, it might pull one off the track. You know, if they're running multiple tracks, they might shut down one of them. You know, those kinds of things. Um, but you know, with attractions like this, with sort of flagship type attractions, um, typically that doesn't happen. I would say typically. Uh, you know, there was an instance. Actually, the first time I ever rode Avatar Flight of Passage, the posted wait time was like either 45 minutes or an hour. Uh, for standby, we're like, okay, let's do it. We got in line maybe 30 minutes before the park closed, and we were off the ride before the park had closed. So, I mean, less than like 30 minutes. So, we waited maybe like 15 minutes to actually get up to the actual um, to kind of sort of pre show area of it. And it was a great experience and absolutely loved it. So, again, th this applies to rides like, you know, Slinky Dog Dash and Smuggler's Run, uh, Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railway, uh, Seven Dwarves Mine Train, you know 
Sworn or Frozen Ever After over at Epcot, even some of the new ones that are going to open up that are not using virtual queues. So that's very important. So Rise of the Resistance uses a virtual queue over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. You cannot use a strategy with them because you have to have a boarding pass to get in there. So, um, yeah, get in line a little bit before the park closes. If you are in line when the park closes, they will let you ride the attraction. Just keep in mind some of the restaurants and parks as well as the gift shops are still open usually up to at least an hour after the official park closure time. So it's more of a soft close than a hard close uh, when the attraction shut down. So dining, let's talk about dining real quick in Pandora. This is one of my favorite spots on property to grab some grub uh, and a drink or two. First off is the Pangu Pangu drink stand that is right there in the heart of Pandora. It's kind of right over there next to the restrooms uh, in uh, Pandora. You can wet your whistle at this popular drink stand and run by an expat who fell in love with Pandora, the world of Avatar, and never left. So you'll see what I mean if you go and visit it. I don't want to spoil a surprise, but you know the, the drinks they have crafted there are uh, very unique. I would say uh, I've been inspired um, by you know a few by the you know of course the movie, the world of Avatar itself, uh, but and even maybe the animated series a little bit. But um, there there are things that were not like completely freak you out, but they're um, they're unique. There are some things that will be familiar to you as well. If that's something you're just like you know I want to have something to kind of relax or cool down or whatever it is so uh, there's a lot of great options there um, you know one of which I've had a couple of different times uh, that I love and if you have questions about that please let me know there's also Satuli Canteen this restaurant ever since I had it for the first time I don't know two three years ago whenever that was uh, Satuli Canteen has remained my favorite quick service restaurant on property absolutely so there are some that are like classic favorite. This is my favorite, like overall, you know, overarching favorite. So Cthulhu Canteen and Pandora, the world of Avatar. Okay. The, the food there is fresh. Like it doesn't taste like it's been under a heat lamp. Um, it, it, there's, a, there's a variety of it. I actually printed out the entire menu. <laughs> I haven't done this on Travel Tips Tuesday ever, but um, this is what, like eight pages, I think front and back roughly of... Uh, their lunch and dinner menu, so they're only open for lunch and dinner. Uh, but I'm going to kind of give you a preview of some of the things that are, uh, this will likely make you hungry. If I'm sorry, uh, if, if I do, I'm sorry, not really, but you can find some copycat recipes out there on the internet, I'm sure. So um, one of the things that they, they offer there are these uh, these bowls. They also have bao buns as well, but they have bowls. So again, everything that they offer there is going to be, um, you know, Either, either reusable or biodegradable, so we're not talking like using styrofoam and stuff like that. But they have these combination bowls, and I usually get a combination bowl with chicken in it uh, and rice. I'm just going to read this description to you because this is just amazing. Slow-roasted sliced grilled beef marinated in a blend of garlic herbs, red pepper sauce, and red wine vinegar paired with wood-grilled chicken thighs marinated in garlic and olive oil topped with crunchy vegetable slaw and boba balls served with your choice and base of sauce so they have a different that's kind of like an example of one of the sort of core meats you know experiences that they have and then you sort of customize it from there um so that's one thing to be aware of so like when when you go this is like shaved beef you're not talking like hunks of beef that are going in there it's more of like a shaved 
roast beef type of uh, type of meat, and then similar similarly with chicken. Uh, there also previously have been some more family versions of this, and there's a lot of great things on the menu. And the, just the food is seasoned so well; it's delicious. The the actual dining environment, so inside and even outside. Outside kind of feels like you're dining in a in an aircraft hangar in a way. Uh, inside, it feels like you're sort of you're very much immersed in the world. It's the only thing to compare it to would probably be Docking Bay Seven at uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and Batuu over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And I can't wait to talk about it. We'll, we'll be doing that, you know, for sure here in a few months. So they also have uh, slow roasted sliced grilled beef bowls, uh, cheeseburger steam pods, which are basically bao buns with a sort of a cheeseburger mixture inside them. My wife absolutely loves these things. They are very tasty. Uh, they also have, if you like shrimp, they've got a chili garlic shrimp bowl. They've also got a chopped wood grilled chicken bowl, and that's usually what I get. It's pretty tasty stuff. So those are sort of the, the entree, feature entree items. Um, for those of you that are vegetarians, they do have a tofu option uh, as well that's there. They have some kids' meal options, some kids' cheeseburger steam pods, even quesadillas. So if they don't, you know, if you've got picky eaters, most kids are like, okay, tortilla, cheese, I get it, simple. I'm fine with that, right? They also have an all-beef all beef hot dog option for kids there as well. Um, they have some great uh, dessert options as well as some great drink options that you can get there uh, also. And, man, I'm just, like, I'm just telling you, if you next time you go to Disney's Animal Kingdom, you need to go to this place. Again, quick service doesn't require reservation. They, use, they do use the My Disney Experience app, the mobile ordering uh, feature on it. Super easy to do. The food comes out quickly. They will actually not let you into the seating area unless you have an active you know, mobile uh, ordering order <laughs> out there. Uh, sorry about being redundant, but uh, they don't actually let you in there unless you have a, to kind of control the capacity and people kind of just sitting and hanging out. So again, great experience. Uh, one of my favorite things, and they have some included sides with some of those bowls and, and options that I mentioned earlier. One of my favorite things they have, they have these sweet potato chips that are just phenomenal. House-made, freshly made sweet potato chips that are just so, so delicious. So big fan Definitely check out Satuli Canteen next time you're over at Disney Animal Kingdom Park. You will not regret it. There's something there for basically almost anyone and everyone uh, that you will enjoy. So shopping in Pandora the World of Avatar is a little bit limited, uh, but that's okay because most people you know, don't go there to buy a Mickey shirt. In fact, you won't really see those there. Um, you'll see a lot of great Avatar-themed merchandise, including you can buy your own Banshee as well over in Wind Traders, uh, which is the primary uh, gift shopping space, sort of the exit area to Avatar Flight of Passage. So uh, it is a great opportunity to gra again, grab an Avatar-themed gift. If, if you like, if you have friends that like love Avatar and sort of that universe, um, and you know, hopefully the, you know, there's an animated series that's out there. Uh, there's also some other movies that are supposedly in development that hopefully we'll be hearing something from. Wind Traders is a great place to grab and grab an item to remember your trip from. So to kind of rewind back just a few minutes, when you go to visit when you go to visit the world of Avatar in Pandora, slow down. Take it all in. Even do maybe do it I did just for a few moments. Especially like if it's like crazy busy, maybe not do this. But or maybe you have somebody behind you, you know, in front of you behind you that you trust. But just for a few moments, close your eyes. When you're walking from one land into one world, just sort of listen, smell, experience. Take it all in because a lot of care and detail has gone into those experiences. It's not about just going and hopping on an amazing ride. 
It's not about just going and having an incredible meal. It's about creating some important memories that will last a lifetime, that will be there, you know, during the middle of a pandemic, that will be there for you, you know, when when life just takes a left-hand turn, a wrong turn, and, and, and just messes with you a little bit. These experiences that we take can t- take us back and keep us sane during the crazy times of life. And you know, that's what it's all about for me as a travel planner. I love walking with people to make sure, again, that they don't have to wrestle with the hassle in, of, of planning trips. Some people love tra- planning trips. That's great. I do too. That's awesome. So if you have do- more questions about that, please let me know. If you have questions about traveling to the Walt Disney World Resort, specifically Disney's Animal Kingdom or Pandora the World of Avatar, Let's talk. I would love to chat with you all. So remember, slow down and take it all in. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight, and we hope to see you again real soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Travel Tips Tuesday. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.